0: let me appeal to everyone I know that it's a cold and winter day I know it's January I know some of you are online welcome back and uh, you'll have to talk to your brothers and sisters about what you missed in the last five to ten minutes Um, but I need to appeal to you many of you have patterns and habits I'd like to ask you to break those patterns and habits I want to appeal to you that for the next three Sundays this one included That you will break your habit and that you will be here both morning and evening services. If you didn't see on the schedule, we're starting a sermon series called Chase the Lion. And it's very important that you be here. There are some concepts, there are things that I'm going to share. And I'm just going to tell you straight up that looking back in future years, this is going to be a turning point, a milestone, an important place in the life of this church. That you do not want to have missed so I'm asking you please adjust your schedules and be here every single one of those six services now you're here for the first one so good Bravo that one's one down you only got five to go all right so please I ask you if you would The genesis of this sermon series, I don't want to talk about it in the sermon. I want to tell you about it right now. The genesis of this is a few uh, months ago, I was reading in family altar with my family. Every night that we're not in church, our family gets together and we sit down and we pray. We uh, discuss anything that needs to be handled as far as family business, and we read the scriptures. I was reading through Samuel, and I had heard this before. I had seen the story before, but I just stopped as I read the story of a man who basically jumped in a pit with a lion on a snowy day and something just stopped me and uh, I don't want to preach the sermon to you right now I don't want to preach to you and it's going to take multiple services to unpack everything that God has been birthing in me since that moment some of you may know that there is a gentleman another gentleman across uh, the world that has also seen this and written several books on it. One of them being in a pit with a lion on a snowy day and the other one being chase the lion. The next morning after that family altar, the Lord just, it just stopped in my spirit. It leaped at me and I thought, wow, that's interesting. Now I have, my kids can tell you, that I have those all the time. They don't necessarily go anywhere or do anything. I just see them and go, hmm. And the kids usually are irritated by it because they want to get on to whatever's going on and here's dad sitting there wanting to think about it or pontificate about it or discuss it. The next morning i received an email and the email was with regard to mark batterson's book chase the lion and the lord just said to me i want to use this and so you have to understand that what i'm bringing to you today is a narrative a theme and a metaphor it's been Yes, influenced, and in fact, the images that we're using are from Mark Batterson. He's got great graphic designers. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate it. We use them. Thank you. But the sermon itself has been birthed to me over the last few months as a narrative. And let me define a narrative for you. A narrative is a message that tells the particulars of an act or occurrence, and for our purposes, even a course of events. It's a message that tells what's happening. A theme is the subject matter of a conversation or a discussion or even of a narrative. And finally, the third word I want you to have in your mind of why am I preaching these sermons to you? Why am I coming to you with this? Why am I making such an insistent appeal that if you care about this church, if you love this church, if you have any interest other than being a spectator in this church, that you're going to make the accommodations. If you need a ride because you're older and you can't see, see, Sister leila we will make it happen. This is top priority. Why? Because it's a narrative, it's a theme, and it's a metaphor that God has put in your pastor's heart And he's going to use it to point us to where we need to be going. The church does not matter if it's not going where God wants it to go. It was birthed by him. It is saved by him. It is maintained by him. And when time is done, it will be taken away by him. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. And so we're not really going to talk about lions. I mean we are but we aren't. We're not really going to chase lions. It is a metaphor. A metaphor if you don't know it is a figure of speech in which an expression is used to refer to something that it doesn't normally and doesn't literally denote in order to suggest a similarity. So it's a word picture, it's a narrative, it's a theme, it's a metaphor for you to be able to hear the voice of God and his direction for this local congregation. If ever you have heard an appeal from me with regard to this local congregation it is today those of you that are watching online and you say i'm stuck in my neighborhood i simply ask you one question if today was monday and your paycheck was on the line what would you do because this is that important it's more important than your paycheck it's more important than than your job it's more important than your kids this is important Today's sermon, I want to talk to you about a man, a lion, a pit. As I've already said to you, there are multiple parts to this, and you have to give me that space to unpack everything that the Lord has burst within me. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 20, we'll deal with a lot of the other pieces that are in here, but I want to draw your attention to simply this phrase. I don't want you to focus upon who the person was, I don't even want to today talk about the circumstances of the snowy day. A man chased a lion down into a pit. Have you ever done something and woke up and said, what was I thinking? I'm in over my head. I have no idea how to handle this. At the moment that this man chased that lion down into the pit, It may have only been a fraction of a second, but there was a moment where he began to look at the reality. The reality is, is that he was in a pit. A pit means that you do not get out of it easily. But it wasn't just that he was in a pit. He was in a pit with a lion, and he had chosen to put himself there. Staring at that lion, whether it was simply a mountain lion or whether it was the lion that the imagery that we're using here today is of the African lion, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the size of the lion. It doesn't matter because a lion can kill a human, particularly when it's in a pit. Standing there in that pit, I don't know how long, I don't know what motivated him to chase the lion down into the pit. The Bible does not tell us this. But we know that a man chased a lion down into a pit. I don't know what the circumstances were that led him there. Some of them may have been intentional and some of them may have been happenstance. It may have just happened. It may have seemed like an impulse. But in that moment where he's in the pit and he's staring at the lion and the lion is staring at him, even for just a fraction of a second before they clash in conflict, in that moment that man must have thought i'm in over my head what do i do now how do i deal with this over the course of the next few sermons I'm going to unpack some things, and so there will be allusions forward to, to some of these things. And, and if there's something where you're going, I wish you'd say more about that, then you need to come to the other services because I'm going to unpack it there. But in that moment, the man had made a choice. And there are some things in life that once you've made the choice, there's no backing out of it. That's why those choices are so scary. It's why those decisions are so large because you know it's going into a pit and you can't back out of it. He didn't engage the lion from a distance. This wasn't an archer shooting an arrow. No, this was a man who chased a lion down into a pit. I don't know a lot about lions, but hand-to-hand combat seems to be their speciality. I've never seen a lion with an Uzi. I've never seen a lion with an an arrow. I've never seen a lion with a slingshot. I've seen a lion with claws and teeth. They're life. They're nimble. They're fast. He chased a lion down into a pit. Remember a narrative, a theme, a metaphor. If your life and his vision your life and his vision for that life does not scare you then your vision is too small god has sent me to speak to a people individually and corporately to say that god has a vision that's bigger than you have even dreamed of if your life and his vision for it does not scare you that it is too small. But the problem is is that as Christians, we have choices to make, and those choices God will invite us to. He will put us in circumstances that invite us to make choices and to take actions, but He will not force those choices. This man who chased a lion down into a pit did not get thrown into that pit. He chased the lion. Into the pit. He made the choice. God will present you with circumstances. Will present you with challenges. Will present you with actions. That should scare the snot out of you. And in those moments where they scare you. Those are the moments where you begin to perhaps hear the voice of God saying to you, I am with you. I'm not with you in the small, because you can handle the small. God doesn't hang out with me when I brush my teeth. He has full confidence that I can brush my teeth. In fact... I dare say that there's even a few bigger things than that, that I think God just kind of looks at me and says, I gave you the instructions, I gave you what you need, and you can go handle this. I don't think God shows up every time my wife and I have a conflict because God has confidence that he's trained me and he's taught me. There are conflicts where he shows up, but I don't think he shows up for every one of them. He says, so you take care of that business. You go humble yourself. You go repent. But there are things in life. There are plans. There are actions. There are circumstances that you may have been thinking have come from the devil or they've come from stupidity on your part. And in the moment where that man had leaped into that pit with that lion, I. Have a sneaky suspicion he thought what were you thinking but those circumstances those times those moments are the moments where god is looking at you with a grin and a smile and anticipation saying will you think big will you think beyond your ability will you think beyond your capacity So again, I submit to you that if your life and his vision for it does not scare you, then you're thinking too small. Put differently, God has such big plans for you that unless he rescues you, the plans will eat you alive, literally. They will destroy you. This is why people live small. This is why people won't dream. Because it's better in their mind to live safely but small than to live large with the chance of being eaten by the lion. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. When i talk to you about being scared i'm not talking about your spirit i'm talking about your flesh you realize your flesh can be useful to your spirit it is a metric it tells you at times when things are right and things are wrong when your flesh starts screaming at you don't do that don't do that don't do that probably a moment where you need to hear I can do this through Christ who strengthens me because your flesh is never spiritual it is always carnal it is always opposed to the ways of God so if your life and his vision for it does not scare your flesh you're thinking too small if it doesn't press you beyond your capacity if it doesn't press you beyond control God has such big plans for you, each of you individually, that unless he shows up, unless he rescues you, unless he engages you, those plans, you're right, they'll eat you alive, literally. You will crash and burn. And therein lies your choice. God is looking for disciples who will follow him into places, who will take actions, and who will challenge circumstances that absolutely require his involvement, or the disciples will be destroyed. You can study the New Testament. And the great commission that christ gave to his disciples was one that would destroy the disciples and in fact in a certain way from a carnal perspective some would say it did destroy them and yet today what stands still and what has fallen the lion of the roman empire is in shambles we look at its remnants but standing today is a message about a god who was born as a human and died on a cross to save us because you understand that the lion that was trying to eat the disciples was killed by those disciples it is no different for us today There is no political system. There is no social context. There is no cultural context. There is no financial circumstance that is too big for God. And the plans he has for you are by definition because they're his plans. They're bigger than you. And without his intervention, without his support, without his rescue, they will destroy you. First Samuel chapter 17, a little bit earlier than the story we began with, we find a boy by the name of David. He stands before a king and he says, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. There's a giant that has neutralized all of the armies of Israel. They quiver in their tents. It's too big it's too strong we can't do it and a little boy says don't worry about this philistine i'll fight him what are you thinking david don't you think you're a little in over your head in fact one of his brothers says exactly that to him you're just showing off Why would David be able to say and do what he did? Why would he challenge that circumstance? Why would he take that action? Why would he step into that arena? Verse 33, he says, Saul replies to him and says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. There's always going to be people who say, don't jump in that pit. Don't chase that lion. You can't do that. That's too big. That's too dangerous. That's too scary. You're going to destroy something. Something's going to get broke. But David persisted. I have been taking care, he said, of my father's sheep and goats. And he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb, from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, come on, A.V., stay with me. If the animal turns on me, now, first of all, it's crazy to run after a lion or a bear to save a lamb. but that wasn't how crazy he was he says if it turns on me it's on the defense if it decides to be aggressive if it decides to turn on me look at what he says he says I catch it by the jaw ladies and gentlemen that is the last thing you do with a lion you don't step into its teeth he says I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death David you're crazy David, you're in over your head. David, you can't do this. This is impossible. Now remember, he says, this is why you need to stop worrying about the giant. This is why you need to stop worrying about Goliath. This is why you, I'll go fight him and you don't have to worry anymore, Saul. You and your armies, you've been scared, you've been quivered, you don't have to worry anymore. This little boy is going to handle the circumstances. Why? Because I have handled other circumstances in the same crazy, overextended, in over my head way. I've been watching my sheep and my goats of my daddy. And anytime a lion or a bear comes and grabs one of my sheep or my goats. I chase it. It's supposed to be scared of me. You see the confidence in this little boy. It's supposed to be scared of me. It's supposed to drop the lamb because it doesn't want to mess with me. But if for some reason it's stupid enough, this is the way David's looking at If for some reason it's dumb enough to turn on me, I grab it by its beard, I grab it by its jaw, and I club it to death. next verse he says i have done this to both lions and bears and i'll do this to the pagan philistine too for he has defied the armies of the living god in other words his experience with the lions and the bears and how that worked Is why he stepped forward and said stop worrying about the Goliath stop worrying about the giant I will handle this I'll go fight him David was not unaware that that giant was huge David was not unaware that he had been a warrior from his youth David was not unaware of what the naysayer said you can't do that you're going to fail you're going to be destroyed you're going to destroy other people he knew the circumstances but he says you see I've done this before I've stepped into the pit before I've gone after a lion before I've gone after a bear before and I have Found something out. Verse 37 is the key verse. The Lord, who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, will rescue me from this Philistine. You see, we're not talking about us becoming powerful, us becoming capable, us being able to do it in our own ability. No, no, no. This is David learned that when he did what he was supposed to do, when he stepped into circumstances, when he stepped into actions, when he went after things that were not right and uh, they they were bigger than him, they were over his head, he couldn't handle them, God smiled. God got a gleam in his eye. God says, okay, I can work with this. And so in the moment where his hand grabs the lion's mouth and his arm comes back to club it to death, normally his hand would be broken. Normally the lion would eat him alive. But God stepped in. And David had enough humility to know God had stepped in and had rescued him from the lion and from the bear. And that faith experience is what led him to say the same thing he did for the lion and the same thing he did for the bear he'll do for the Philistine Give me that Philistine. I can take him. This is true for you individually. It is true that God's plans are meant to scare the snot out of your flesh. It is true that God has such big plans for you. They're His plans. That's a whole other sermon, but they're His plans. They're not your plans. God doesn't just pay the bill. God makes the plans. But they are such big plans that unless He rescues you, unless He does like David said, unless He shows up and adds something to the mix, Those plans are going to eat you alive. This is true for you individually. But it is also true for us corporately as a church. God has such big plans for us. And the problem is, is where we're at in life right now as a church. The problem is, is that we can we can slide along and just get along. We've got money in the bank. We've got buildings built. We've got pews to sit on. We have visitors come in every single week and we can simply slide along. But God is here to challenge, not just individuals. And I'm here this morning to tell you, some of you are facing circumstances. You're facing actions. You need to jump into a pit with a lion. You need to take the step of faith. But we, corporately as a church, are also going to need to take some steps of faith. We're going to need to jump into things that are over our heads, go places beyond what we have the ability to do. And if God doesn't rescue us, it will eat us alive. Because God has such big plans for us that unless he rescues us, we're going to be eaten. As a pastor, I face the same temptation as you. Why don't we just stay where we're at? Why don't we just keep going the way we're going? It. it, it It might not be the best, but we're not going to get eaten alive. Again, put differently, the life of Newark UPC and our Savior's vision, not our vision, not my vision, not your vision. Our Savior's vision for Newark UPC should scare us because it's so big. It should be evident that we don't know how to do this. It should be clear to us, as it said in the prophet, not by might nor by power, saith the Lord, but by my spirit. That if God doesn't show up and rescue us, if God doesn't help us. Now, let me explain something to you there are no spectators in a lion pit. You don't sell popcorn and cracker Jacks when you're in a pit with a lion you're either engaged or you're dead I'm not here to drive anybody away I'm not here to tell you that we don't love you but I'm here to tell you we are getting ready to jump into a pit with a lion remember narrative theme metaphor we're not literally jumping into a pit with a lion But we're getting ready to go in over our heads. Say, well, God will be for us. Oh, that's easy to say when you're outside the pit. It's a whole other thing to say it when you're standing at the edge of the pit looking down at that beast that's growling at you, that's threatening you, that you know, you can tell by the yellow of its eyes that it wants nothing more than to fight you. It doesn't matter whether it's defensive or offensive. It doesn't matter why it's doing it. It doesn't matter whether it's because it's fearful that you're going to win or whether it's because it doesn't like you or that it's learned to get a taste for human meat. It doesn't matter. When you look down into that pit, when you drop into that pit, at that moment, that's the moment where, oh my goodness, There's no spectating. And so, us corporately and each of us individually, God is challenging us. I've put you in some circumstances, they're bigger than you, put you in some places. You're not up to it. I'm inviting you to take some actions. And if I don't show up, it's going to eat you alive. To quote Mark Batterson, he puts a very nice phrase together. He says, When the image of a man-eating beast travels through the optic nerve and into the visual cortex... The brain relays an urgent message to the body. Run! Run! Not towards. Away. There are many animals that we are told, stand still, but everybody knows if you've ever run into a wild animal and it gets aggressive or it feels defensive, what is your impulse? What is everything inside of you saying to do? You know you're not supposed to. That's why we got the joke. If there's three people running from a bear, how fast do you have to run? Just faster than the other two. There's an impulse within us that when we see a man-eating beast, that visual cortex takes the message that runs along that optical nerve and it screams with everything in it, Run, 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 run! But lion chasers overrule this message in their lives. They feel it, they hear it, they see it, but they overrule it, preferring instead to trust that the Lord, their God, is the Lord of lions. That is the only way that you'll jump into a pit with a lion. That is the only way you take that step into a place where you're over your head. It's the only way you can get there is you have to choose that whether he tames them or he slays them, he is the Lord of lions. And if the Lord doesn't rescue us, we will be eaten alive. But we believe in him. We trust in him. And we have confidence in him that he will not abandon us. He will not leave us. He will empower us. this part of the of the series is easy to present to you because it's all theory (laughs) we're still in the narrative and the theme and the metaphor i have to preach it to you i have to lay it out for you i have to share it with you before we can then get to the lions before we can actually talk about the pits Before, we can talk about the circumstances of a snowy day. What's a snowy day do? It complicates it even further, as if a lion and a pit weren't enough. That's why I'm begging you. Literally, I'm begging you. Please, don't skip a single service. Don't skip tonight. Don't skip next week or the week following. For each of us individually, this year will be a year of choices because we're going to run into lions. And the question he's going to ask you will you chase it into the pit? Will you get yourself in over your head? Not your plans, his plans. Not your choices, his choices. The steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. If you're serving God, if you're loving God, if you're following God, I'm here this morning to tell you, things aren't just happening in your life. All things are worked together according to his plan. And so, individually, yes, you have some choices this year. I'm telling you, prophetically, I'm telling you, you will face choices this year, individually, as families, as individuals. But I'm also here this morning to tell the church that I am responsible to lead in this season of life. That God has such big plans for us that it would be easier to turn from them than to chase them. Be easier to get a safe distance than to jump down into an irretrievable situation. But this morning, I ask you are there any lion chasers here? Are there any lion chasers here? One side of me is scared to death. Another side of me is so excited. Because we are about to chase lions. You're crazy, preacher. Yeah, 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 I know. I know. I know. It is crazy when you chase a lion into a pit on a snowy day. But wait till you see what God does in the life of the person who chased the lion into the pit. Come tonight. We're going to start unpacking that. But right now, it's just the principle. Right now, it's just the metaphor. Will you chase whatever lion God places in your path? Will you run after it? And remember, you're not chasing a lion. You're chasing circumstances. You're taking actions. You're dealing with problems and issues. Preacher, I just, I'm overwhelmed by life. Because you're thinking too small. Preacher, I I can't even hardly get out of bed. I know. Because human beings were made to conquer. They were made to rule. They were not made to be animals that sleep all day, eat, defecate and sleep you want your life to take on meaning chase a lion think about it you want your life to have some real meaning to it chase a lion into a pit you want to get some confidence chase a lion into a pit and watch God show up and rescue you you'll never walk the same again You'll never think the same again. You'll never act the same again. And I am very quietly telling you, while each of you have a choice individually about chasing lions, jumping in pits, corporately, you don't really have a choice. New UPC is backing up. You say, preacher, we're going to stop you. Good luck. Preacher, you're going to destroy us. I know. What are you going to do if it doesn't work? I don't have a B plan. Because when you run, and you run, and you jump into a pit, there's no coming back from it there's no turning around from it there's no ability to get out of the pit you're stuck you're in you're in you're in you're in you're in you can't get out of it and there's no way to turn it around and we're running into the pit because I serve a God who I have biblical example that we will not be left alone he will rescue us He will show up and rescue us. He will give us the ability to do what cannot be done in us. So individually, you have a choice. But corporately, the only choice you have is do I stay or do I go? Now please, I can't unpack everything. So if you stop right now, if you take offense at this word right now, then you've been very unfair to yourself, to your brothers and sisters, and to me. But before you get to the specifics, I need you this morning to talk to a God who didn't abandon David and didn't abandon Beniah and ask him, hey God, has my preacher gone loopy? Or is this you? Because this morning, I'm calling all lion chasers. It's time to chase a lion down into a pit, I'm done.